Welcome, friends. Last guy here, and it's time for us to have basically a podcast with Jagras. What up? How's it going? Hey, so it's been a while, and um, so it, it's a new year, more uh, more podcasts and everything. I'm wondering, uh, you're still into Gwent, right? Yeah, I still play a lot of Gwent, but that's still my kind of staple. So what are some major things going on with Gwent? Because it's still not out of beta, right? No, it's not out of beta. We've actually had a big it's controversy or like kerfuffle recently. Um, basically, yeah. right before Christmas, about the 21st of December or so, 20, 20th, 21st, they dropped a patch and they wanted to update the game and change the engine, which would allow them to do more things with the game because the, the way it was um, built previously was like, it limited what they could do in terms of their design space. So they have this patch yeah. where they updated the engine and had a hundred new cards which was really cool except that they rushed it because they wanted to get out before christmas dropped the patch and then everyone in the office left for two weeks (laughs) and so the patch was basically like super buggy like super buggy um to the point where there were some i would say like very unfair bugs that people could exploit and it didn't get patched for two weeks and then uh they also introduced some changes and new cards that made um Goyatel, which is one of the factions, really, really overpowered in, compar- in comparison to the rest of the factions. Uh, and oh, then they wow. came back and said, "Oh, well, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna update until the, it'll make card changes until the end of the season. Uh, and the end of the season is like the eighth of February. So we're still we had we had a hot fix, so mm. we fixed a bunch of the bugs. But on the flip side, we haven't had any kind of gameplay. So I think a lot of people are kind of quite burned out of Gwent at the moment. Um, yeah, which is." I think fair enough. Like a lot of the streamers and YouTubers and content creators have all kind of voiced that they're taking a little bit of a break because we've had this patch for, I guess it's, it's going to be about a month and a half. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, I guess it's a little bit like not fun at the moment, but I mean, I think people fuck up, fuck up. And I think that CDPR are very new to multiplayer. So I'm, I'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt here uh, and accepting that, you know, people do mess up and, a lot of us are just like waiting for a patch kind of thing. And people have been exploring new games, which has been really fun. So I've been kind of branching out a little bit in the new year into other games, which has been really cool. Um, I've also been keeping an eye out on Artifact, which obviously we don't know anything about. That's Valve's card game. So the Dota card game. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. But just keeping an eye out to see what that is, because I think it's going to be kind of interesting. Um, I've heard kind of rumors about lanes and like you have heroes and that sort of thing. You can move them around and creep spawn. I don't honestly know how they're going to implement it, but... That's kind of where I'm at. Okay, all I know is if it takes an hour to play that card game, forget it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it'll take an hour. I think realistically, Valve are smart enough. You know, they haven't released anything since Dota, and that was in like, I want to say about 2013. Oof. So, like, the thing is with Valve, like, Valve don't have to make games. Valve can just kind of sit back and make bank off Steam, right? Realistically, yeah. they're they're kind of set. So I feel like when they do make a game, they can kind of afford to do whatever they like or take as much time as they like and make it the best game that they can. Um, so I think not having those constraints is really going to benefit them and also having the backing of Valve and having, you know, the Dota fanboys will come across. And I think this is probably the first card game that's likely to be a big competitor towards Hearthstone. Like, I think as soon as it comes out, mm. you know, that'll be up there in the in the kind of Twitch viewer bit list and whatnot, you know. We can see already Counter-Strike uh, Global Offensive is up there, Dota's up there, like things that Valve make do well. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see it just jump right up the Twitch rankings. 
It, yeah, because of the, just because, yeah, because it's Steam, because it's Valve. There's potential there. It's it's also just it also is a question of whether or not uh, people are. I can't. I wouldn't say burnt out, but it's weird. There's only so many of a genre people will gravitate towards. Like in MOBAs, people even though there was room for a lot of them, a bunch of MOBAs happened. Only a couple survived. And it feels the same way for uh, for deck fight for CCGs like. You got Hearthstone, you got Gwent. I think Gwent's like the best one out there after Hearthstone. Mm-hmm. And there's also been a couple other smaller ones like Shadow Realm and a couple others, but it really feels like there's only so many people are going to want to do. And so there is room for Dota. And I just... I wonder how much of a competitor it's going to be. But then again, you, Hearthstone's been out for years. Gwent's been out and some people gravitated to Gwent. Some people did not go to Gwent. And there are going to be people who are going to be hungry for something, so maybe Dota will fit that. The thing I would say is that I think people are probably getting a little bit frustrated with Hearthstone. Hearthstone's also really difficult to start playing right now because of yeah. their monetization system. Like, I haven't really ever been that much into Hearthstone. And like, if I do try and play it, it's really frustrating to try and you know earn some packs and get a flavor for it without spending money, which I don't want to do. I think, yeah. realistically, the reason that there's been no competitors is because of how big blizzard is like activision has so much money i think they have more money than god at this point so they can just kind of throw money at things in terms of advertising and promotion and that sort of thing um because like you're talking about mobas and i guess the first i guess giant moba was like league of legends and that was like because it was kind of new well it wasn't really new it it used um defense of the ancients from warcraft but it was it was the first standalone right and then in terms of the, the competitors that have actually been successful Dota 2, because it was made by Valve, and I guess it's more difficult. Yeah. Uh, and then Heroes of the Storm, which was bankrolled by Blizzard. Because, like, I think if a if a game has money behind it, it's easier to compete. Whereas we've seen a lot of CCGs come from smaller uh, studios. Like, even yeah. Gwent, which is from CD Projekt Red, which is known for The Witcher. CD Projekt Red is only really successful because of The Witcher 3. You know, that was their first kind of big mainstream success. So even in terms of scale, I would say they're a lot smaller than the likes of Valve and Blizzard, you know? So as a result of that, which both have, you know, multiple multiplayer successful games under their belt, I think that this is the one that potentially will crack the market. Obviously it depends on gameplay and stuff, but I think also it's going to be the one that's, it needs to be different enough from Hearthstone because the problem is a lot of the games that have come out, they use mana and you have curve. And so they're, they're too similar. And Magic the Gathering is popular, but Magic the Gathering is popular as a real-life card game, so like a physical card game, as opposed to an online card game. So, you know, and I think that they're not going to try and branch out too much online, because if you start encouraging Magic players to play online, then you're fragmenting your player base, and then people are less likely to buy cards in, like, physical cards, and at the moment they make, like, crazy money selling physical cards. So, like, Magic the Gathering, I'm not entirely sure how that's going to work out, because you have the arena one. But I think that Artifact is likely to be a big contender when it comes to the CCGs. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop playing Gwent. Like, I really enjoy playing Gwent. But it's definitely something I want to kind of dip my toe in and dabble with and kind of see how it goes. And that's true. And the the Dota one, it's going to be more... They're going to try to make it feel like kind of like a card game of MOBA anyway. So it's going to be a different kind of beast at, yeah. as well. Really, I am curious how that's going to go. I just... I know. I always. I just feel like it's not like the biggest market, except it kind of is. Because when when there wasn't when there was no Hearthstone, what was there really? It was just Magic. Yeah, and the thing 
the thing is, it's a huge market on mobile. So hmm. once you also get your your PC release and whatnot out of the way, you can then branch out to mobile, uh, potentially on the Switch, for example. Although I know that updates on consoles are kind of a pain in the ass. Like I think that because you have to jump through hoops with Nintendo or with Xbox or with PlayStation, typically people will go for PC and mobile. But mobile is a huge market, um, especially for games which have microtransactions, which you know, card games generally do because they have kegs. Oh, sorry, card packs. In England, they're called kegs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like booster packs. Although it'll be interesting to see if Valve actually gives the collection away for free, because in Dota, obviously you get every single hero for free, Ooh. and they only sell cosmetics, right? So Dota is yeah. the only um, mobile I've ever played where you don't have to buy heroes mm-hmm. uh, and grind out like in-game currency to get them. So there's also like speculation of whether everyone will have the like every card, which would mean that the game. Like everyone can make any deck, so it'll be it would be really weird to see, but that like that's potentially something that could happen. Like you know, these are just like I said, speculations, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how that works out. Because if they do that, and people you know people complain about how much Hearthstone costs, right? So if they do that, yeah. and suddenly there's a brand new card game where you can have every single card, and you pay for like cosmetics, like you know, card skins or what have you. Ooh, yeah. You know, you can you can see that instantly just getting a player base because free to play players will be so happy. Yeah, it it would be amazing to have a, a CCG where you just have every card from the get go, and they make all their money from from like sleeves and just like from cosmetics. Because if they have like say Gwent's animations for the what are they called the premiums? Yeah, the premium ones. If they just do that for for like the for artifact, that would be interesting. If that's how they they plan on getting their money is just different animations or skins for the cards, things like that, and you have access to every card, that would blow things out of the water, because I think anyone who's interested in CCGs would come over for that, because then it's just all about deck building and making a pretty deck and stuff like that. I mean, spending money for a pretty deck while also building whatever you think is optimal instead of having to worry about just spending money for all the cards. Mm -hmm. I think people would complain about net deckers, because I guess... People already hmm. complain about net deckers, but the caveat is that no what. not everyone has the cards to make every deck in a lot of games. A lot of players do, but not every player. So that maybe keeps meta meta decks, should we call them, in check. Whereas if you have everyone has every card, everyone can make every deck. But realistically, I think like people are going to share information, right? Like I make deck guides on YouTube, so uh, hmm. as far as I'm concerned, like I would say net decking is fine. But then I realized that that's because that's like kind of what my YouTube channel is all about: is providing decks for people to build. Um, but realistically, like people are going to share information. Like if you and me were playing a card game, and then you'd be yeah. like, "Oh, Jag, you know what's up? How's it going?" And I'd be like, "Oh, I'm playing this cool new deck, um, and this is what's in it." Like at that point, does that make you a net decker? Because we've talked about decks. No. <laughs> well, like if if I queue into a game and I see someone playing like a cool, uh, let's say a cool monsters deck, we use Gwent as an example, and I'm like, "Oh, that's a great idea. Like maybe I'll try out that sort of deck." And then I make a similar deck because I can see the cards that he's played. You know, like I have an idea of how the deck works. Is that is that net decking? Because you didn't originally decide to build that monster's desk. It deck is only because you played against it. Like I think it's one of these issues that people kinda love to complain about, but personally I think it's kinda kinda dumb. Like, I think net decking is fine to an extent because you still gotta know what the heck you're doing with the deck. Mm-hmm. But uh it, it is what drove me out of Gwent at the same time. Cause I saw the exact same deck way too many times. I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like uh, it was, uh, I can't remember, what's the blue deck called? Northern Realms. It, yeah, Northern Realms, it was Northern Realms and Skellige. 
I said I saw the exact same Northern Realms deck and the exact same Skellica deck for like three hours straight. I'm like the same deck every time. I'm like okay, I'm get it's kind of getting samey for me right now. Probably like and then Northern Realms armor and Skellica discards. I would say probably yeah. the ones you're seeing if it's those two together in the meta, which is funny because like uh, at the moment mm-hmm. neither of them are particularly like high tier. It's all about mm-hmm. it's all about Squirtle. That's funny because Squirtle was crap for the longest time. <laughs> Yeah, it's and, been interesting. Oh, yeah, like this is the thing that this is why I think net decking is fine, depending on how big the library is. Because if there's a big enough library, then there's a lot of decks that can rock paper scissors each other. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like Gwent because of how they're starting out, so they're lim- they're limited in their library, and so you you're guaranteed to see the same decks kind of kind of often because of that. If, if a lot of people are, are net decking. Which yeah. is like the one advantage when it comes to Hearthstone is because there's so many freaking cards, uh, that is not as much of a worry. Yeah, and that so it will sense. depend on. So it'll depend on how big Dota's library is, but also the way the game plays. Like if the game just plays different than we, than we can even imagine, and even if there's an optimal deck, it still might depend on gameplay of how you do the deck. So that'll be something to see. Yeah, I feel like there's probably going to be a fairly large tactical element. It's not the case of you know you just play cards. And their effects trigger, and that's kind of it. Like I feel like if you have lanes and stuff, it may be the case where you can move your. So you have champions, which are cards. You can maybe move them between lanes, and you have items that you can trigger to do things. And you have to kind of. I'm wondering how much, like I guess, like micromanagement there'll be in terms of once your cards are played, mm-hmm. how you kind of utilize them and stuff, and whether like if you if they kill one of your cards, does it respawn? Because you know champions in the game or heroes or yeah, whatever they're called, they respawn. So I'm just really intrigued. Like artifact is definitely. I would say is on my radar. Yeah, it it really depends on how they go about it because the way of Dota is uh, it it's uh, rock paper scissors within itself because there's so many items and so many heroes and so many strategies. The idea is there's just so much in there that a meta will form and then a counter meta will form and then a counter to that counter meta will form and so there's like a cyclical rock, paper, scissors going on within the game, mm-hmm. and they only make major adjustments when something's really out of whack. That's how Dota is. So if they make the card game robust to that that can happen there as well, then they'll be probably be fine. And it'll be fine if people net deck and stuff like that, because there'll just be so many ideas. This is where in like ranked, for example, you have like a draft phase where you draft your champions for that deck. Like maybe you have a core deck. And then you have a draft phase versus your opponent where like you both ban certain cards and then pick certain cards. Hmm. That would be like, you know, how similar are they gonna go to a MOBA? That's that's what I'm always wondering is like, will they implement this? Will it just be kind of a standalone where you queue your deck, they queue their deck? Is there gonna be kind of competitive options? Like I think it's gonna be really interesting to see exactly what it is Vel's choosing. Yeah, we don't we don't uh, know anything. It's, that's that's the like yeah. most frustrating part. There's only so much speculation and such, and I guess we'll really see. There's like no announcement for any plans or anything, right? They're just they're working on it. But, yep, they've like done the little uh, teaser trailer. I think they mm. did it at the international, so at their big Dota uh, mm-hmm. tournament. And then since then, it's just like zip. I mean, there's been some like esports teams being like, "Oh, we're g- yeah, we're gonna have a Dota team." Um, also, sorry, a, a artifact team. Um, yeah, but like, of course you are because it's a Valve game, so basically guaranteed to be successful you know it's not like a lot of esports where they're like maybe i'll play this game but you know how well is it going to do whereas like you've seen the success of csgo in terms of esports you've seen the success of um 
Dota in terms of esports. It's one of these these things where it's more or less a safe bet. That's like how I feel about it. I understand you being speculative and I can understand that some people are. But for me, I'm like, I think this is going to be an interesting game. And you know, I don't often get very hyped for a game, but I'm I'm definitely intrigued to see what this is like when it comes out. Yeah, like it it is Valve. Valve has made good stuff and when it came to Dota, they threw all the money they needed until it became until it, it worked out. Yeah. And that's what they can do. They can throw all the money they needed at Artifact until it works out. Mm-hmm. And we'll see just how that goes. It, it I would be interested to see how they would they balance it. Because that's the thing I want to talk about as well is how important just think about it, how important are patches and balancing to a game's longevity? I think it's and huge. And keeping people around. Yeah. I I mean it depends on the game. Right, but in terms of a game that's going to last years, I think that you need regular patches, and that's that's like guess specifically for multiplayer, right? Single player games, a lot of them you play, you finish, and that's kind of it. Single player games that I kind of come back to are stuff like Binding of Isaac, where each time is different. Um, so that game I would say has like hundreds of hours. Um, but yeah. I kind of go through phases. Like I probably haven't played Isaac in a few months, but then I'll come back and I'll binge it for like two weeks solid. Um, so that's kind of how that is for me. But with games like, say, Smite or Gwent or Dota or CSGO or League or what have you, I think realistically you need to be patching maybe about once a month just to shake things up. Because if it's a game where you just keep playing short games, you know, like you're playing multiple, say, 10, 20 minute games, at some point that's going to start to feel samey. And once that starts to feel samey, what that means is that you... uh you're going to get bored, right? And as soon as you get bored, you stop playing. But if they keep changing it up, then it's different every time. If you have like this kind of seasonal thing where you have big changes once a year, you know, that's going to be something that people really take to. So I think, I think patching is relatively important. But I think on the flip side, you can patch too often. Like I personally would say that Smite patches too often. They patch every mm. two weeks. Uh, and I think like five years into the game, you can afford to patch every month and like do a really good patch rather than trying to guarantee a new god every you know four weeks and whatnot but i mean i guess i do it for skins because that's how they make money yeah because what you're talking about with the patch for gwent just reminds me of smite how often smite does it and they're, they're balancing and everything and just the fact that they're gonna sit on Tail for so long uh also just pat like this is something they're just gonna they're just gonna have to learn is patching before the holidays and just letting it be probably wasn't the greatest plan just because yeah, you saying it was buggy and there were some balance things and like it was just like that for the holidays when people just have free time to play, not the best time. Now they they released an open letter which basically was like, yeah, we done messed up, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of been the issue with Gwent in a lot of ways. It's had a lot of teething issues uh, in terms of like, I think the company being new to multiplayer because obviously they've had huge success with Witcher in single player. Yeah. Um, and I, I love me some Witcher. I actually have a Witcher Let's Play on the go at the moment. I'm on part 53, mm-hmm. and I it's never going to end, Scarf. Like, it's just never going to end. It's one of those Let's Plays. And it's kind of one of these situations where I'm going to feel really proud of myself if I ever finish it, because the game is so freaking long. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I did not realize this when I decided to do this. But because they don't have experience in multiplayer, I think they have maybe some issues in terms of the decisions that they do make. Um, and it's kind of been a bumpy road so far. But I'm feeling quite you know, positive. They should have a new game mode coming out this year, which is going to make the game more exciting. So then even if the meta is a bit stale, if you have maybe a draft mode, for example, like Arena, that is always going to be different. So that can keep players hooked. Um, And they've also got a big single player 
campaign coming out called Thronebreaker, which is like touted to have I think like twenty hours of content and it's got voice acting and it's got this whole like storyline thing because you know Witcher was really popular because of the storyline. They're kind yeah. of taking that element and putting it into a CCG, and I think that'll be very different from anything we've kind of seen before. So that school's going to be really fun. That sounds pretty cool. So that that's that'll definitely be worth looking at and checking out. That I would assume that's. Oh no. Um that's gonna be completely free, that's gonna be like an expansion or something. I think it's a paid expansion. Okay. Cause if they're putting that much work into it, they, they gotta expect like some sort of pay for that one, because yeah, you get voice acting and a story and everything. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Like uh a story using CCG, that'd be very interesting. Like Hearthstone has it's kinda like a challenge mode basically, the way those adventures are. So it'd be interesting to see someone else's take. On doing like a story with CCG, that'd be pretty cool to see. I think it's it's going to be interesting, and it'll be good to see some some new updates. I'm certainly looking forward to updates. But uh, I guess speaking of updates and and games that patch, we can talk about games that no longer patch, or specifically games that are shutting down. Uh, so we could touch on <laughs> on the Paragon news. Oh, it's did you ever play Paragon? I played like once or twice, but when I when I did play it, I. The character I picked was like a really difficult to play melee character, so oh. I really didn't know what I was doing, and it was kind of off-putting. And they had this weird like card system that was really confusing. Um, yeah. So that kind of threw me. But I I know that like some people who got really into it because Paragon is like it's another third-person MOBA, so it was kind of um, I guess competitive with Smite. But the thing yeah. is that they so so the news is that Epic Games announced that on I think it's the twenty sixth of April they're going to be shutting down the game. But yep. but they're also going to be providing full refunds, which is crazy. Full refunds to people who spent money on the game. So if you spent any money on Paragon, you can get a full refund. That is, that's the crazy one. It's like, they're going to do full refunds. They're, they're, of course, banking on not everyone doing a refund. So they get to keep some of the money. But that is interesting. They're going to do a refund. And it's just because, yep, the game's gone. It's another, well, dead MOBA. Very unfortunate. I think... The only... I was going to say, I think it's like really classy of them. Like the way they've kind of announced the end of the game, I think mm. is really, you know, props to Epic Games for doing that. Like the way they announced it was really classy. And then the fact that they also offered full refunds, I think is kind of crazy. Like they could have said, you know, um, any purchases within the last six months will refund, for, for example. Uh, mm. And then been able to keep, you know, a little bit of money. But the fact that they've done this is like, you know, it's, it's going to cost the company. And they've said, you know, that none of those, none of that cost is going to go on to the, th- the, you know, the, um, so I think it's on Xbox, for example, and maybe PlayStation. So none of that cost is going to be knocked onto the platforms. It's all going to be, you know, taken by or or like dealt. Like Epic is going to take the hit. Basically, no one else is going to mm. take the hit. Yeah, it it is a very classy move. It's a good, good, well move and everything. Paragon's been around for so long, and it just they never really found their footing. They really didn't. Like it's a very pretty game, but a pretty boring game. I just. It it there was there was something about it just that wasn't exciting about it for me, and the car system was an interesting idea, because uh, they're trying to you you get a similar to what you're trying to be the genre, but you also got to be your own thing. So yeah. they did the cards and they did this very clean look, very kind of sci-fi look, but the game just always felt very slow, unfortunately, yeah. and because of that, just. I don't know, it just didn't really grab, which is unfortunate, because it just looked very good. But it didn't work out. 
players want to get into the action, right? And I guess on the flip side, they also have Fortnite, right? Fortnite is also made by Epic Games. And that is clearly, since they've gone the kind of arena, what was it called? Like arena battle, battle royale, battle royale yeah. format that has been like leaps and bounds because it's a free to play battle royale and PUBG is not. You have to buy PUBG. Um, yeah. And it's got a kind of maybe a more casual feel to it because of the art style and whatnot. Like PUBG feels very serious uh, because they've gone for this kind of realistic art style, similar to like Daisy and CSGO and stuff. It, it feels, you know, very, very serious. Whereas Fortnite, because it's more cartoony, I think appeals to a wider audience. And, hmm. you know, props to Epic Games. They they noticed that that was a niche and decided to fill it. Yeah, it worked out for them pretty nicely. And yeah, so I I would assume they're just moving assets towards... Fortnite and probably working on whatever comes after Fortnite as far as the next game they're going to do. Because, yeah, Fortnite does have... People are interested in the, in the... What's the word? The Battle Royale Fortnite and also just the Fortnite original as well. And they got to get those done and ready because it's supposed to come out in 2018. The free-to-play version of just regular Fortnite. Uh-huh. And then, of course, you always got to be working on the next project, of course. So... We'll see whatever they do after this. It's just too bad Paragon's down, and just the graveyard of MOBAs that didn't work out is very unfortunate. Uh, one that's not dead yet, but it surprising it's not dead, is gigantic. That one's still around. It's just they reduced their popul they 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 reduced their staff. Yeah, they had this whole like hiccup where they were being I think bankrolled by Microsoft, and then Microsoft wasn't seeing results, so Microsoft was like, "We're out." And then I think someone else picked them up and they had to lay off a lot of stuff. I've, that's not, I don't know if that one feels so much like a MOBA as more of an arena shooter. Uh, it's, you, it you don't really have lanes it. Because it, it has levels and skills and all that stuff and cooldowns. Yeah, but it feels more like a kind it, of arena shooter with like a deathmatch kind of feel. You spend most of your time killing each other and then eventually one team wins. Like the objective, when I played it, at least the objective didn't feel like a priority. Hmm. Um. I, it, it's yeah, because uh, kills and such give you the uh, the opportunity, the objective, and yeah, the, there's kind of lanes, but it's because it's more capture point. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I'm I not know. a huge gigantic fan. I played it a little, but mm. it never really it never really hooked me. And then I'm I'm not like a huge I guess like kind of arena sh not arena shooter, uh, hero shooter fan, so. Like, I've, I've played a little Overwatch. I like Overwatch. Fair enough. It's okay. But I've played it in ages, you know. Yeah. Um, never really got into Paladins, although they're having a Battle Royale mode being added as well. That's the Everyone's hero shooter Battle Royale. Battle Royale. That's, that's the flavor of the month. Uh <laughs> yep, everyone's getting a Battle Royale mode. Even Kirby's getting a Battle Royale mode. No, he's not, really? No, it, no it's a game called Battle Royale, but it's not the same thing. Oh, it's okay. just called Battle Royale. <laughs> oh, man, I got really excited. I was going like, like, <laughs> to run around the map <laughs> eating know. people. And absorbing their powers. That, that's basically what Battle Royale is. <laughs> yeah, because you, you're picking what weapons you want everything. And it'll be interesting to see. Like, cause There's still room for more Battle Royales. Like, PUBG isn't the, the end-all, be-all. And it'll be interesting to see what gets... If anyone improves on it or or what. Because they have to improve themselves to be competitive as well. You think Of course, that, they have record numbers. You think that... Valve and Blizzard are going to get involved in Battle Royales? Um, I don't think Valve will. Uh, it be because of the way Valve is built. 
because the way it works is they have to convince each other that something's worth making. And just, like, it's not like it's a huge team to work on yeah. Artifact. Because if they were... Because they don't have to be a game company because of Steam. Yeah. Uh, so, they just... I, I don't see a battle rock. I don't see one coming out of them because they just have PUBG sitting there and they're making money off everyone buying PUBG and stuff like that. Blizzard, though, I think is likely. Like, they haven't... They release games fairly often. You know, Overwatch was the last big one. I feel like Blizzard might experiment with an Overwatch Battle Royale before they try to do a full-on Battle Royale themselves. Uh, I don't know if they have room. They might maybe even have Activision do it instead of Blizzard. Yeah, that's true. Like, I could see a Destiny Battle Royale. Why not? Uh-huh. That could be an interesting one to see. Or just... If Blizzard... Did, I think Blizzard... They're going to have to work on something after Overwatch, of course. There's got to be another new project. And a just Blizzard Heroes Battle Royale would be a curious idea. Maybe. Because right now they're they're getting their experience in first-person stuff right now with Overwatch. Yeah. So they could conceivably do a Battle Royale. It's a question of whether that's a flavor they want to jump in on as well. Because, of course, they jumped in on MOBA with HOTS. And people were skeptical Skeptical then when they did HOTS. People were skeptical when they did Hearthstone. And then Overwatch is their shooter. They kind of jumped into a lot of different um, different genres. The one thing, I, I yeah. mean, at the moment, all of their focus is on what the Overwatch League, which is their big esports endeavor with, like, teams named after cities. And apparently, like, they're kind of making it like sports, I guess, because the, the, the games yeah. are played in the cities that the teams are named after and the teams travel and stuff. Um, and they've kind of put a lot of work in in terms of the production values and that side of things and but the thing is overwatch is just really boring to watch that's the problem like it looks great it looks fantastic but it's so dull yeah the only the only good parts are the little gifts but just watching it as a sport yeah i'm not really a big fan either so i don't know it's it's up to the hype men and production i i don't know it's it's not it hasn't been the most interesting thing to for me yeah i mean they because they, they got a lot of talent on there um, I know they, they had Sebler, for example, who's from CSGO. He's a CSGO caster. Come across to, uh, Overwatch and start casting that, and he's a big name. And, you know, they have a lot of talent involved. The problem is, like, I sat down to watch it, and 10 minutes later, I was like, right, let's do something else. Um, whereas mm-hmm. games like CSGO, I do not play CSGO at all. I do not play, you know, any CSGO. But I'm quite comfortable sitting down and watching, like, a, a set of CSGO. Uh, because <laughs> it's very, very accessible. It's easy to tell, you know, who's winning, who's losing. The objective is very clear. It, you can tell, you know, when people die. Whereas in, in Overwatch, it's like, oh, did someone die? You know, there's so many animations and crazy things happening. Like, I have no idea. You, you don't know when an impressive play happens. But in CSGO, if someone, like, 1v3s or something, or gets, like, a clutch um, diffuse, like, you can tell easily that that's hype. So I actually think, like, in terms of esports, that uh, Counter-Strike is the most accessible uh, mm. in terms of the, the game and how it's presented and stuff. Like, more or less, you can sit anyone down and say, right, the objective is that terrorists want to plant a bomb, uh, counter-terrorists want to stop the bomb plant, and if the bomb is planted, there's a time limit for them to defuse it. Also, they have guns, and when you die, you're dead for the round. Like, that's yeah. all you need to tell anyone, and they'll get it, you know? It, it, it's why, I guess, football is so popular, because football is like, right, here's 11 guys, they want to try and put the ball into this net, here's 11 guys that want to stop them and try and put the ball into their net, go. Like, <laughs> you don't need to know... <laughs> all of the intricacies. You don't need to know the offside rule. You don't need to know that. You, you've got the basics and you're pretty much good to go, right? And I think with Overwatch, it's just like they've put in all this effort, but 
it's very hard to follow. It's kind of boring. It, it's the same problem that I'd say League of Legends has, is that there's so much color going on, you don't know what's happening. And also, just because everyone can look the same, especially with Overwatch, they can they can try to do color stuff, but it's just not enough. I don't know. There's not enough color difference. Yeah. Well, as CSGO, uh, Terrace, and well, Counter-Strike, they, they just look very different. They yeah. look very different, so you can tell who the heck is who at all times. And that it, helps out a lot. Yeah, I think it does. I think it does. And it's also very simple. Like, Overwatch, because they have all these different abilities and alts and stuff, it can be very confusing for a new person. Like, I don't have a clue what the new heroes do. There's, like, a, a robot, I think. Um, I vaguely know what the hacker does. What's her name? Uh, how was it? Um, suddenly I'm forgetting this, but the fact I, I should know this. Uh... Dude, Arissa's the robot. Uh, <laughs> this is what I she mean. She came out a year ago. How did I forget her name? The, like, the I don't hacker, even know what the, she's called. She's called... The Hacker Chica. Sombra. Um, Sombra. There you go. There Boom. You go. Sombra. <laughs> and yeah. the newest one is Moira. And before oh, that was oh, Doomfist. There you go. See, I didn't know those two existed. Uh, yeah. I only remember Sombra because Ozzerworld, uh, he does, like, parodies. He has a Sombra song to the tune of Toxic. So oh like, dear! And I was like singing it in my head. That that is why that is why I know what she's called. Um, okay. So, so it's one of these one of these things, and and as you add more characters, it just is more complicated. Whereas I think with CS:GO, I have no idea. Like the, the things that they patch are like they change the rotation for competitive maps. They adjust the guns a little bit, so some guns have more damage than others, and the way that they spray and stuff is different. And I think they, I guess they must add new guns at some point. I don't, I don't even know what they do to patch. Oh. <laughs> unlike unlike a casual side of things, it is it's been the same game for at least twenty years. I swear to God, like <laughs> you, it it really it visually it looks like it's just you, they've just been playing the same game. I don't really know what they add to it because I've just always casually played it. It just feels like it's the same game. In like, a casual for years perspective, you have like workshop maps and stuff, right? So you have you can you can always play different maps. I mean, you have like surf yeah. maps and all sorts of different crazy types. So it's kind of self sustaining, like. How much do you need to patch when the community is making content for you? Mm -hmm. And then I guess that's uh, one of the things that's worth considering. It's such an interesting gameplay loop, though, uh, what CSGO... What CSGO is, or just CS, is just the really quick rounds of, well... Depending on which mode, like, they go in, a bunch of people just die, and then it's just... It just ends within, like, a minute. Okay, round two. Round three, round four. Because it's... Like, it's uh, first to fifteen... Or like first to fourteen, I can't remember. Like you yeah, just do a to, lot of rounds. Uh, first to sixteen rounds, sixteen rounds because yeah. It, yeah, it's best of thirty. So first yeah. to sixteen rounds, and you swap halfway. Yeah, so it's um, they're very quick. It's a lot of rounds. You can you sometimes have these really crazy moments, and that's the good parts of it. Or just uh, when a team just gets methodical and get in the head of the other team, it's very interesting. I think also that the way like that for years, the economy is set up in terms of getting earning guns and stuff it's got comeback mechanics because i think after like three rounds oh, right. after three rounds like even if you're losing they give you extra money so that you can then have a round where you have guns to try and get back in and then um you have to make kind of tactical decisions in terms of how much do you spend this round versus how much do you save for later rounds because obviously spending a lot in a round gives you more chance to win but saving for later rounds means that if you do lose you're not completely scuppered so I think like after a certain number of rounds, um, if you're still losing, that gives you bonuses. But then there's things where that can happen where you lose that many rounds, you get the bonus, you win one round, 
and then that's meant to like snowball on to win more rounds, but then you lose again, and that can put you in a really bad position. So there's actually a lot of tactics involved in terms of the economy, and the way that the game is designed is really good to allow for comebacks, which is exciting to watch. That's a good point. I forgot about uh, yeah, holding money for later rounds and comeback mechanics. I forgot about that part of it. Yeah, there's an economical side, which is pretty interesting. But it's a, it's also skill. Like, if someone can just roll with a pistol, holy crap. Yeah, and you, you can tell also when like people are skillful, just from a, a casual perspective. Like, if someone does a crazy play with a pistol, you, like, you know that that's impressive, right? For danger. Holy crap. Because some people are just really accurate. And they can just land it. But some people, there's like a weapon that they're just really good with and they'll save up for it and they can do work with that. That's the other thing is, if you got players who are just really that good, you can have them be the one that spends and then someone spends the next time. Or maybe a team's just, everyone should spend a little bit for whatever these things and that works out for that round. Or you just have a bad run where you, everyone spends and then they get beat anyway. Yeah, like there's also tactics involved, but realistically you don't need to know them as a viewer. Yeah. Um, and I think the the commentators are also very good at kind of introducing that. Like you have like you're on an eco, they're an economy round. You can kind of see because the way that the overlay works, you can see what guns one team has, you can see what guns another team has. And if, if one team's guns all look like pistols and the other team's guns all look like rifles, you know you don't even have to know specifically what the guns are, but you can still get a flavor for um, which team is on on a advantage versus which team is on a disadvantage. Yeah. It's they're just very interesting. Just seeing, uh, well, just how the rounds go. Yeah, that's that's CSGO for you. And they've been like that for a long time. It's it's worked out. It's been pretty good. It's it's actually just philosophically interesting. Just how people just really like the same gameplay loop for like years and years and years. Like League of Legends has been mostly the same game. Smite's been mostly the same game. Dota, CSGO, and yet people have been playing them for just. At this point, League of Legends has been around at least over a decade. Just playing the same game over and over, and the same thing goes for Hearthstone. Like, there are minor updates here and there, but it's been the same thing. But you see people who just, that's all they play. I've always found it interesting. People like consistency, right? Like, people like routine. And also, there are kind of games where it's very easy to sit down and play for, like, 20 minutes. Like, I could sit down and play one game of Gwent, or Dota, or Hearthstone. Well, maybe sometimes they take longer, but realistically, I can sit down and play one game. Whereas big single player games, I have to kind of dedicate a lot of time. And also I have to like remember where I'm at, right? Like if I stop playing League for like a year and come back, it's still the same game. I still kind of more or less know what I'm trying to do. If I stop playing, say, The Witcher for a year and come back, I'll have to like try and remember exactly where I am in all of these quests. Mm. You know, the the controls, maybe I'll have to kind of spend some time figuring that out. Like, I think it's easier to leave and come back with multiplayer games because you've done the same thing, you know, the same kind of 20 minutes over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Whereas, like, in a big single-player game, you've maybe played 50 hours and done all sorts of different things, but there's no consistency to reinforce the mechanics and get them kind of set in your head such that it's easy to come back to. And also, like, once you finish a single-player game, that's kind of it, right? Like, some games have New Game Plus and replayability, but usually you finish a game and then maybe you come back a year or so down the line, but, you know, maybe you move on to the next game. And that's kind of just how the different markets compare, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I get you on that one. And some people, they'll play it again and again, like, because it's like a good book to them and stuff like that. Yep. Or if there's enough difference, like, because like Witcher 3, you can play that quite a few times because they they made your choices matter and there's a yep. lot of endings. 
So they did a good job with that. I think what I was just getting at is how uh, in a lot of forms where like we don't want the same thing, we do want something to be the same thing over and over again because like not from consistency, but just like it's the same thing. Like if you have the same sandwich every day, you eventually get tired of it. You get, you yeah. have the same, like we always see, but like if someone had the, a job where it's just the same thing every day, it's, it's always seen as that dreary thing nobody wants. No one wants to do the exact same job every single day. But when it comes to games, we're fine with that. But well, on I the flip side, hmm? I would say no one wants to do a completely different job every day. Like, I wouldn't want to be like, today I'm a vet, okay, today I'm a doctor. Like, you need a certain level of consistency, and that's yeah. why these multiplayer games do well, because they are they have consistency, but there's always, always like, a certain amount of variety. And because of updates, there's enough variety that it, it feels familiar, and people like things that are familiar and consistent, but with enough variety that it doesn't get repetitive. Yeah. That definitely helps with it. I just always wondered about that. Just, uh, just spinning. That's it's kind of just being in the hamster wheel. I feel it's kind of the same thing, just a different day. And patches definitely help with that. And I think that's probably why you got like Smite trying to do it like every two weeks and such. And like th I think that's partially why going back to start why patches are important. So it it's the same, but not exactly the same. It's, but I guess again, going back to that, well, there's something glaring, like say Skeletal. Uh, Skeletal, you're saying, is that's the big one. People are taking a break because it's just been them dominating. The, so the problem with Skeletal is that they have this strategy at the moment that's very hard to counter. So typically in Gwent, you have kind of two main strategies. You have a strategy where you get very, very big units, like single units that have very, very high numbers of points. Yeah. And there's strategies where you get loads and loads of small units. So like, you know, lots of like ones and twos, for example, and that's how you win. Mm -hmm. And this new deck, the way it works is that it has a lot of units that spawn other units, but they're kind of mid-range in terms of points. So there's like some six-point units, some eight-point units, some nine-point units. So you're getting a medium number of medium-sized units, and that is something that's really hard to counter, because with big units, you can you have cards that counter big units, so they burn. You know, if you, if you get greedy yeah. and stack all your points on one unit, you have cards that can like destroy that. And if people have lots of small units, you have cards that, you know, damage every single unit by like one or two, which means if you have like 30 units, that's a lot of points. But with this new dwarf strategy, you can't easily counter it because there's no, there aren't cards that exist that counter this kind of, I'm going to have like eight, six point medium units. Like the, there aren't cards Ooh. that do that. So that's why it's so dominant because it, it doesn't really have a counterable strategy. Yeah, because it weather got changed, so it doesn't do damage across the board anymore. And yep. you can't do, uh, was it, was it Quen? No, it's not Quen. It's, uh, no, it, the one I'm thinking of, maybe it's the Fire Blast. The one that only hurts, yeah, Quen's the shield. Uh, the Fire Blast is uh, where it Igni. hits only three units, I think. Igni, oh, yeah, Igni only oops. hits three, maybe. Uh, oh, Lacerate, are there any Lacerate, mass damage they changed. Oh, no, no, Lacerate, um, what was it? There is one that they changed to only hit three units, but previously it hit lots. They've changed a lot of yeah. things, basically. Okay, so a lot of things have changed since I last played. Okay, because th like burn is or whatever it's called is used to kill the big unit. Scorch and Igneo used for big. Units. Yes, yes. Scorch is used to kill the big unit, and or you can lock them uh, with, or you can shackle them, or whatever the word is. You can reset them. Yeah. Yeah, but when it comes to a bunch of little units, you either do yeah like mass little unit hits, but like, I know weather got changed. Um, yeah. but yeah, mid units shoot uh yeah what exactly can you do just from my knowledge of uh, when i played it you can hurt a couple units but 
There's no yeah. like mass kill everything in this number range. No, and and the problem is um, they have tempo because it's medium sized units that make medium sized units. So typically, the issue Ugh. with medium sized units is you play them, um, but you don't get that many points. So in terms of your tempo versus your opponent's score, you have a hard time because the objective is to have the highest score for a round. And so if I yeah. play an eight and you know Scarf plays a twelve, if I want to catch up, I'm now four points behind, so I should play something bigger than an eight. But the issue is that they have a two that spawns an eight does three damage so in that situation that is a what like a 13 point play but I've, I've put a two and an eight on the board i haven't put a 13 on the board you know so it's much harder to counter okay because um, yeah the advantage of the mediums is just uh they're basically they, they they take a turn but they're also they can at least be enough to maybe force the opponent to put another card out yeah to do something because they're not sure what you're doing next the thing is, typically, those like eight-point cards are usually engines. So if I might have an eight-point play, but every turn it generates two points. And Ooh. that's okay, because the counter to that is you can just kill that unit, right? There's, there are cards yeah. that you could kill a single unit. So engine cards, whether they're low-tempo or medium-tempo, but generate your points long-term, they're fine. But the thing is, like these dwarfs, they don't, there aren't requirements. You know, I play the two, it spawns the eight, it does three damage. That's 13 points. They don't generate any points, but that's, that's like a tempo play. And then the next turn... You know, I play another two, it spawns another eight, and then does another, like, three damage. And then I, I play a card that reses the dwarf that just died, that blah, 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 the, the eight that does three damage, for example, and, and then so on and so forth. Um, and that's kind of where the issue is, is that none of the plays require any sort of setup. So I can't, you can't just zap it. Whereas, like, if you play an eight that gives two points every turn, if I have, I can just put, like, tech in a card that removes that, right? Um, and then that kind of helps mitigate that strategy. And, you know, sometimes I'll draw that card, sometimes I won't, sometimes you'll win because you managed to get that strategy off, and sometimes I'll win because I managed to stop your strategy. There's, like, a clear objective. But, like, with the Dwarf deck, there's just there's nothing you can really do. So you just kind of have to, you know, deal with it. And I think, hmm. I think that is also really frustrating for players because, at least with other metas where there have been certain decks that maybe are frustrating to play against, there's ways that you can change your deck to counter them. Yeah. But in this situation, there's not, and people feel bad. Okay. Like, if at any point it feels like people, are, they're waiting for the next patch, it's like, get that patch out sooner. Like, um, I don't know, like, because the way you're saying is, like, people are waiting for the next patch in February. Well, they're saying they're waiting until, like, February 8th, because that's the end of the season, before they change Skeletal. Yeah, so we expect that hopefully there'll be a patch at the end of the season. Because CD Projekt Red have said, we're not patching until the season ends and the season ends i think on february 8th so we would expect to see a patch around that date you know maybe just after um but we know that we won't get a patch until then right because they've said we're not patching until the end of the season it ends on february 8th so until february 8th i would expect not to see any changes personally you know i don't know for sure but you know just from speculating from what cdpr have said that seems to be yeah. the case. hmm and that's that's people just uh, they're just resting on it for a little bit, and so that's less that's just less advertising for the game. Yep, which is not the best. Like you, you constantly want people wanting to play your game and stuff like that. I don't know because uh, I was gonna say you talked to me at the wrong time. You talked to me in like two weeks. I'll be like, oh, we just had a, high, a patch. Everything's great. <laughs> Come play Gwent. And right now I'm just like feel very ambivalent about it. Yeah, that's the that's the timing of things. That's that's how it is. Uh, a game can feel really great at whatever time, depending on what it is. Like, um, 
that becomes my problem. Just thinking about that became one of my problems with Smite is Smite could have really glaring problems, and they'll let it run for six months. Uh huh. I was like, well, bleh. like that's like, but I think for them that was kind of like the seasons for them, but they just let it be. I don't know. I feel like you can't let something be out of out of proportion to everything else for too long. Because then it's just really frustrating for a lot of the base, especially anyone who did. And I was not a fan of Skeletal. They're like the other yeah. ones. They're not really enjoying it right now, I'm sure. Uh, the problem then is that if you upset your player base and they leave, that then has a knock-on effect that your matchmaking is worse, which makes your game worse, which makes your yeah. player base more upset. Like It's kind of a, a negative feedback loop that can get to the point where it could really have a huge detrimental impact on the game if people leave and don't come back. Yeah. Because if I stop playing Gwent, I then have time to like find a new game that maybe entices me, for example. And then at that point, you know, if that game entices me more, then maybe even a big patch might not bring me back. I, I mean, I, I don't think I'm like a good example because I'm a content creator. So like, I quite like playing Gwent anyway and making content and I'm always excited for patches. But, you know, for your everyday casual Joe, that is definitely something that could happen. You know, they could stop and then start trying something new. They like and then get into whatever new game they've started playing and just not come back at all. Yeah, that's the thing that happens. That's breaking the habit. Yep. Like, they just like, oh, hey, I have all this free time to play these other things. And then they just find something that's more enjoyable to them or just as enjoyable, but it's still got their interest in, so they're not coming back. It, yeah. It's it's a crapshoot. Like, things can just not work out. I, ideally, it is you're trying to get a balance where everything feels fair. Yeah. That's, that's the ideal balance. And you're going to have... Uh, community. There's, there's what the developer feels feels fair, and what the community feels is fair. Yep. And it's like this argument between both. And then in the community, it's like what the pro players feel is fair, and what the casuals feel is fair. And like Blizzard's way of doing things is whatever the community feels is fair is what they'll do, even even if it's actually not optimal. Uh huh. And that's what they'll do. That's what they've done with Overwatch, which is an interesting way of going about it. But it has led to some headaches lately with a character named with Mercy. Yeah. They keep changing Mercy and it's aggravating some people. Um, but it's different principles of how to do things. Like Smite's way of doing it was they did whatever they wanted, as far as I could tell. They just liked throwing things against the wall. Uh -huh. They liked experimenting with things and letting things Yeah, they pretty much just like, let's let this be the matter for a while. That's what it always felt like. Like when the because you were in Smite too. Yeah. When the warriors dominated for like six Ugh. months, and then they they just nerfed all the warriors, and like Hyrus Bart was there, he's like he was drinking the warrior tears and all that. <laughs> they'll they'll let different classes just have their day for like a for like half a year. Yep. And so it's really aggravating for everyone else. Like when I quit the game, I quit when it was hunters were dominating the center. They were dominating mid lane. Yeah. Because, uh, what was it, the Golden Bow, I think it was, or some other item? It was just so good. Hunters absolutely own the mid lane, so mages, where were they going to go? You basically had two hunters, no, yeah. there was nowhere good for a mage anymore. And so if you loved mages, you were kind of screwed. And if you loved hunters, you were really liking this. <laughs> but it was like, we just have two hunters now, and it's just like, it wasn't fun to me anymore. Yeah. I also just found it. Just too ridiculous. And they let it be like that for like six, seven months. No, I have like, a lot of uh, friends yeah. who, who've quit Smite like, through the days. Like, I still play it from time to time, but I play it very casually yeah. now. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll, I'll jump in and play like maybe a couple of arena games or something. But I kind of always have this nostalgia for like, wouldn't it be great 
if everyone who I used to play Smite with came back to Smite and we all played Smite together. Because there's like there's been so many good times. Um, yeah. So I'm always like, oh man, why don't you just come back and then we'll all play and it'll be great. And the thing is, you know, it probably won't be like that. If, if we all come back, no one will know what they're doing. Everyone will be really frustrated about different things <laughs> and we'll probably <laughs> lose. But in my head, it will be the dream team and like I'll have, I, I like, so I, I like I have a couple friends that I still play with from time to time, but a lot of them have kind of moved on to other games. And yeah. it's kind of a shame because when that happens, you maybe don't hang out with those friends as much just because you know they're playing something different to you um so then you have this kind of nostalgia of you know well maybe they'll come back one day and we'll all play together and it'll be it'll be like just like old times (laughs) but we'll see i don't think it's gonna happen (laughs) for for what it is like uh smite came in at the right time it was a different thing and it it can be a fun game it's just when you understand the game well enough and you understand that things are definitely broken and they don't care to fix it, you're just like, okay, kind of done. Also, just, they still have freaking server issues with this freaking game. I just, and they're never optimized still after all these years. I, yeah, no, I see, I've reached, I've reached the point where I basically just play arena casually. So in yeah. terms of balance and stuff, it's not really. Yeah, it's, it's like, arena. It's arena. It's, it's fun. It's good fun. Run around, kill everyone. Kind of try and mm-hmm. kill minions. Get annoyed at my team for not killing minions because that's actually part of the objective. Like I play so much arena that I actually try and do the arena objective. Whereas a lot of people like got to get tunnel vision and kill people. But honestly, it's like it's not that big of an issue. Whereas conquest, which is like their MOBA mode, is a little bit more tryhard and the rules mm-hmm. change quite a lot. I played one the other day because I had a quest to play conquest. So I played okay. one conquest and we lost. It was fantastic. I played rock. And- they're making the game length even longer in Conquest. And that's the other thing, is just game length is also a thing. It's just, a Dota can go up to an hour. Smite, uh, my understanding is it's going up to an hour as well. So, I think the difficulty there is you have certain people who want quick games, and you yeah. have certain people who don't want the game to snowball. And they're kind of at odds with each other. Yeah, anti-snowball mechanics are always important. Like, also, I don't know, like, you play the game long enough, you're like, well, if you don't play dump, it doesn't it doesn't snowball as much. That's uh, true. Well, play Gwent. It takes like it, ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, like the I I I feel like shorter games are better at this point. Just as an older person, I feel like it's also uh, versus how much free time you have. Yeah, like when you're a kid, you have all the free time in the world, so you're fine to just waste an hour. I feel on one round. When you get older, it's like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have shorter matches so I can do things or such. Because, like, right now, I feel like Hots is my favorite. Yeah, that's because the, the matches they are take, like, 20. 15, 20 minutes, yeah. Because yeah. of how the objectives are designed. But yeah. they do actually have comeback mechanics, which is quite good as well. Like, I feel like with, with Hots, like, you can make a comeback. Um, yeah. And also, you um, can't surrender. But the matches are only, like, 15, 20 minutes long, so it's pretty yeah. good. Because the advantage to, to Hots is because it's all based around the team levels and everything. And... It, it's the same thing with with uh, with the other MOBAs as well. If you kill a high-level person, that gives you more XP, so you can level up sooner. But since it's like a team thing, you kill the enemy team, you get a good swing on the enemy team, then you're back in it. Or if you yep. pick off a couple of the enemy team a little bit at a time, just chip your way back in, you can do that as well. Yeah, it's harder to snowball in HOTS. The, the, the thing with HOTS is, but... once you've killed a bunch of structures, you no longer have structures to kill to get XP. And then yeah. at that stage, you're maybe um, in different places. Whereas if their team manages to wipe you, they can then take your structures and that'll help them catch up. And the way XP works is you have to be near the minions to get the XP. So as soon as your yeah. all your lanes are pushed, you're not really ever near the minions unless you're right up against their base. 
because your lanes are pushed, whereas they can just yeah. kind of sit at their base and get XP, um, whereas you're maybe at other parts of the map, and, and that's kind of how it works. Now, HOTS is great. The only thing with HOTS is, like, I, I kind of like to play it casually, but I don't like to solo queue because I get really salty when <laughs> my teammates are glue eaters and don't understand how to play the objective. Um, it's all about the objective. That's what's so weird. So then I, I kind of, like, I like to play casually with friends, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. I get you. Like, I don't know, it's... I feel my least salty with HOTS. I think I, I got the saltiest with Smite because I understood too much of the game. Uh, League and Dota I was not as salty with. And HOTS I'm the least salty with just because, yeah, it ends in 15-20 minutes. See, People still can be really angry in that, but... See, Smite I don't get salty with because I just, like... I play Arena, you know? Like, yeah. I just autopilot play Arena. I've played so much Smite at this point that I don't even really have to think about what I'm doing. Whereas nice. with HOTS, I'm more competitive. Like, I care more if I win. Whereas Arena, mm. I'm like, I'll just play another Arena. Whereas HOTS, I'm interesting. like, if only... And also because I like to play, like, supports and tanks. So then you have to re really rely on your carries. Uh, so then it's really frustrating because you don't feel like you can do anything. You know, like, I can't, I, can, I can't heal you if you're diving the enemy team and just dying, right? Like, that's yeah. just suicide. So then who do I heal? What do I do? And then you kind of, you can't kill anyone because you're the healer. So then it can yeah. be quite frustrating. Or like the tank you initiate and then no one follows you up and you just die. And that, that feels bad as well. So hearts, I guess I'm maybe a little bit more... Not, like, I don't think I'm a particularly salty person, but I would say I'm a little bit more salty with that. It's the eternal frustration of being the support class. That's, that's what it's always, it always is. It's No one notices you're not there until they're not being healed. And no one, yeah. no one complains until they're not being healed. Like... If they're being healed, they don't say a dang thing. And if they're not being healed, then they're just... That's when they start talking, and it's because they're angry that you're not healing them. It's like, you gotta be kidding me. Same thing goes for tanks, is... They have to know when to come in when you're... Go like, there's more communication with tanks, because you're going in there, you're taking a risk, and they need to understand that. Yep. Whereas, like, I don't really get salty with Gwent, because it's entirely on me. You know, I made mm. the deck. I'm piloting the deck. So if I lose... Well, I mean, apart from certain cards that are, like, a little bit bullshit. And then you feel a little yeah. bit bad, and you're like, come on, dude. But generally, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. And and usually when um, something crazy happens that causes me to lose, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I think it's hilarious. I'm like, you know, well played by you. I totally did not expect that. Like, a lot of the time I'll lose, and I'll think it's hilarious. Um, and I think that's a, a kind of a good place to be. But also, I guess the games only take 10 minutes, so you lose one, and it's like, you know, what, what have I really lost? Whereas, I guess with longer games like you were saying with smite and stuff if you play a 60 minute game and lose it kind of feels bad yeah it's it's very draining it, it goes back to also just battlegrounds you can go back to that like you can do like a 40 minute game in that and it's like okay do i have another 40 minutes in me after that because it yeah. can be exhausting how tense that game can get you get to like top eight or whatever and you just get frustrated that you got picked off right at the end yeah, I've gotten second so many times. I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't play another round. That's that was too dang draining. Just getting that far, uh, all this intense hiding and and looking around and waiting and shooting people. It's like, okay, yeah, okay, I no, can't do another round. Can't do but another forty. I guess on the flip side, you then get that elation, like you know, the high when you do get the chicken dinner, like when you do come first. And I think that's what keeps people hooked is they're they're kind of chasing the the euphoria of being the best. Because, like, being the best out of 100 people feels kind of good. Even if it's because you got lucky or you hit or whatever. Yeah, it feels good. And I think people kind of, that's what keeps people coming back, is, like, kind of chasing that. And the fact that you can, you know, you can 
go to different places to start with. Sometimes you get lucky and find good things. Sometimes you don't. You know, sometimes you'll die in the first minute. It, it's it's very it's very varied, and this comes back to what we we're talking about um, games being you know consistent but having variety. And I yeah. think that's something that battle royales do really well because of the gameplay, like because of the mechanics. Yeah, it's it's the same thing, but it's also very different because of mm-hmm. the luck and and just how things can be, and just the people you're playing with. There's a, the biggest advantage PUBG has is it has a huge population, huge. So you're never running into the same person, and that's always a nice feeling. Whereas with smaller games, if you keep running the same person, you're just not as happy about it. Yeah. So it's always nice to have a big population. Just touching on uh two things. Uh, one is talking about PUBG. Uh, I'll tell you this instance. There's one where a guy had to go do something, and he just left his character laying down in a tub. Yeah. And things to where the blue circle went, he won the game, despite being <laughs> AFK. Fair enough. That is amazing luck right there. And that that's what it can be sometimes, just ridiculous luck. Um, With, uh, with Gwent, that's the one thing I really liked about Gwent, is there's so many little tricky things you can do. That's always been a fun thing I liked about Gwent is all these little tricks and ideas. It's also just learning that those are things that can happen because sometimes you just screw yourself over not understanding the uh, the interactions. Yeah. Oh, I make misplays all the time. Like yeah. That's kind of part, part of why it's fun because you're always learning as well. Yeah, and that's what's really cool about it. And I think that's kind of why I got frustrated with NetDeck. It, well, seeing the exact same thing because I'm like, well, I'm not seeing any growth here. I'm just seeing the same thing. Yeah. And it's not and as interesting not or as fun. Mm-hmm. and I, that's the thing is uh, what's the word emergent gameplay i guess is the word yeah. uh, the more variety while doing the same thing the better and i guess that's what we're getting to this entire day this entire podcast is consistency patches and stuff to make it consistent but different yeah i think, and, I think that's a good kind yeah. of conclusion to this conversation yeah because i was just thinking of all the directions on that but we are let's wrap this up um so we talked a lot about Gwent and we talked basically we talked about MOBAs and CCGs and a bit of esports with with um CSGO and with Overwatch. And where I want to wrap this up is do, oh, yeah, this is an interesting one, just to end it out. Do you think esports could ever hit the same level as regular sports? Because they did try to get on they tried to get into the Olympics. Which I think I cannot agree with. I think but, realistically you should keep esports and regular sports separate in terms of their mm-hmm. competitions. But I think that esports is a huge industry. Like gaming and on its own has become a huge industry. Um to the point where I I wouldn't be surprised if it makes, you know, similar levels of money to sports. And you know, you have some sports that are smaller um but popular in certain places. Like in Norway skiing um, like biathlon and downhill skiing and snow sports are all really popular to watch and the Norwegians do really well like in America NFL is popular but not really popular anywhere else and then you have these like kind of global sports like football and I think that's always going to be the case with esports as well you have like niche esports that certain groups like not necessarily based on location but certain groups are yeah. into and then you'll have these more overarching esports like Counter-Strike um, and like League of Legends which maybe appeal to a, a wider range I don't know if they'll ever be on the same level but realistically, I don't see like gaming getting any smaller as time goes on. Because hmm. my one thing that's really weird about this, because we're we're doing games, we're playing games here. There's a lot of different kind of games. Some are more strategic than others, and some are more reactionary than others. 
But I feel like if it really wants real legitimacy, uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be an Olympic thing or anything like that. But I feel like if it really wants real legitimacy, I think it needs better sportsmanship. For damn sure. So it's not mm-hmm. seen as just a kid thing. Yeah, I think you also need like regulating bodies. The problem, I yeah. guess, with gaming is that the regulating bodies are the developers, right? Because like you yeah. don't have developers for football, so then maybe that's where it gets tricky. I don't know. I guess it'll be it'll be interesting to see. But I think there is a clear distinction between you know sports and esports, and I think it's good to compare the two because there are similarities. But you also have to be realistic in in that regard and appreciate yeah. the differences. I feel the problem is they. A lot of people feel in esports itself, and just casuals feel that esports has to be compared to sports and has to meet the same thing as sports to be taken seriously. And in some ways, I agree, just because I feel like it could have a better atmosphere if it was. Because they are doing some regulations, like with Overwatch, while on stream, a player like flipped off the cam, like flipped off their crew because they're doing a sound check. And that uh-huh. was caught on stream, so they got fined for that. Oh, so you have and, to maintain a certain... Yeah, they had to maintain a certain you know, demeanor, like, sportsmanship yeah. kind of thing going on there. Because the one thing I feel is the big difference between esports and actual sports is we, there should be a bigger female presence. And it's not there. I think that just comes down to the anon- anonymity of the internet. and You can kind of do and say what you like. Whereas, like, if you're at a sporting event, you know, you're there. So it's not mm-hmm. quite the same. Um, and I think I think there is still, though, you know, there's issues with sports with, like, males versus females, like, you know, in football or soccer, yeah. for example. That's like, why I feel like it could esports could be different and actually have an atmosphere for females to be there mm-hmm. because it's not like it's not just about muscle. I, I think it's, it's a it's huge kettle of fish, though. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to I don't know if I want to take that lid off just just yet. Because otherwise we'll be here for another hour at least. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. We could be another hour. I just feel like we could do better with esports because it's still so young. Yeah, I agree. If we if we make esports a boys' club just like sports, then what the hell? I think that there's a lot of people trying to kind of change that. And I guess the one thing I would say, if I was going to say one thing, I think the one thing when it comes to kind of not having a boys' club and whatnot, not is that gamers as a community have to actively shun the people who make it like that. Like, if there's enough of a repercussion to someone saying sexist or racist things or what have you, if we basically as a community say this is not okay, you know, ban them from streams, uh, report them in games, have good systems where these people, you know, there are repercussions and, and they are actively shunned, I think at that point that's when you'll start to see more diversity. But realistically, at, at this stage, that's not where we're at. Yeah. And um, which is that, that's, unfortunate. That's what I would say. Because I, I feel like it has to be from the start. Yeah, and like, there's definitely opportunities to do it, you know, kind of going forward. And um, hopefully we'll see, we'll see kind of better things in the future. Yeah, because I, I just, it's just something that sticks with me. Because like, esports is still, it could be better. Because one of the excuses used for why there's no female players on, in the Overwatch League, like, there's none. Is they don't want to be seen as a publicity stunt. Oh, don't get me started. I read this, and oh, like okay. you can just say, you can just say, you know, currently we feel that um, of the players that we have, we have the best competitive players, and if there was, if we found a female player who we felt was strong enough, that would be great. But instead, they said, oh, you know, well, we don't want it to be seen as a PR stunt, and also yeah. there's issues with like 
cohabitation if we like that's a terrible reason to be like oh well we can't have any girls because what if they have to live with the boys (gasps) oh no like (laughs) it's just just makes that annoys me that annoys me a lot but uh i think i think hopefully going forward we'll see you know we'll see some improvement and i think there has been a lot of kind of common like people commenting on that there's also been people commenting on the diversity of say like the overwatch league and i think diversity is important but i think it's also important to have the best people for the job. Yeah. And if it so happens that, like, I, I wouldn't hire someone just because they fit a diversity checkbox. Like, if they fit a diversity checkbox and are also really good, then you should hire them. But diversity shouldn't be an excuse for lack of skill. Yeah. I just, it's, it's just kind of weird that London's just a full team of Koreans at the same time. <laughs> oh, that is, that is hilarious. But this is coming from someone who does want to work in the industry. Like, I would love to work in mm-hmm. esports. Yeah, and yeah, London is a team full of Koreans, but like you know, Arsenal, like the football club, they're probably not all British, are they? Like, if you yeah. look at football as a, as a comparison, it, it's not the same. Um, yeah, so I think it's you, okay. You can do the same thing with just NFL. Like, it's not like it's local talent. Yeah, uh, so, or I guess baseball is better. They do bring in Japanese players and stuff like they bring in people from around the world, like Puerto Rican and Japanese players and Dominicans. So it's not like it's only U.S. people in a U.S. sport. So it's fair. it's are... always been bringing things in. <laughs> We're going like... off on a tangent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so not good. So um, let's let's end this thing. Uh, there's still a lot to talk about, basically everybody. But that's that's enough for now with with uh, basically a podcast. Usually we end with advice. I just don't know what advice would be. What's advice to t- would to give right now? Um, be excellent to each other. <laughs> that's always good advice. That's always good advice for sure. Especially in 2018, I feel like it has been a ridiculous first month. Yeah, just a little bit. And, yeah, everyone being excellent would be good. Like, uh, 2016 was the year everyone died. 2017 was the year everyone went crazy. And 2018, it feels like the post-apocalypse somehow. 2018 is the year that kids are eating Tide Pods. Don't eat Tide Pods. There we go. (laughs) We We got some advice. Good job. We're gonna go. We're gonna get below seven billion at some point because of this. I don't know how, but it's gonna happen. Like, I this I is like a like, eugenics debate. <laughs> yes. Um, Should we really discourage coming. people from eating Tide Pods if it's mm-hmm. if, it, if it helps? Yeah, <laughs> control population I, brings down the because it's bring down <laughs> intelligence. I don't even know. Um, but there's it's an intellectual plague is coming because of the Tide Pods. That that's what it is right there. What do you think? Let us know in the comments below. <laughs> <laughs> How many Tide Pods should you be eating? Oh, to, have a, to have a balanced and varied diet, you know, should we also eat like aerial pods and <laughs> personal pods and dishwasher tablets? Like, what is what is the recommended daily allowance of Tide? Somebody Don't tell me. eat poison, people. <laughs> Don't eat poison. What I think happened? that's good advice. That's good advice. We found we found a good yeah. stopping point. <laughs> yeah, there's the advice, everyone. Don't eat poison. <laughs> God. There you go, everyone. We've had basically a podcast with uh, Jagris, which who can be found on Twitter, on Twitch, on YouTube. Is, is it all Jagris on all of those? Yep. Like it'll it's, dis- it's, it'll be in the easiest. Yeah, Jagris so, at Jagris Twitch.tv Jagris. Like I'm, I'm very Ducky. easy to find. So lucky you. Um, so we found all this place. It'll be in the description down below. And so that has been basically a podcast. I had fun talking. Thank you for Jack for coming by. Hope you had it's fun wa- watching. 
and listening. Yeah. So thanks for coming by, everybody, and see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>